streamers and historians. My name is Christina and this is F-Top Crypto Zoology. This is where we talk about a little bit about cryptid that's super fucked up. So, any of you who don't know me, I love plants and flowers more than I like most people. My apartment is filled with plants. The length of my entire right arm are like just full. It's just full of like different plants and flowers. I've got sunflowers and poppies and apple blossoms. There's like a cute little ghosty holding a monstera leaf, wearing a flower crown. And my entire bicep is like toxic and carnivorous flowers like Datura and Belladonna and Jack in the Pulpit because I've always loved the idea of having these like beautiful flowers that are actually so deadly. Like something about the duality of life and death is always something that has just like really appealed to me. It's probably because I'm a Gemini, which if any of you are into astrology, you're probably like, this explains so much. Um, (laughs) And if you would like to donate to my tattoo and weird hair color fund so I can continue to shatter the preconceived notions that historians are only the clean cut old white man who speak with no inflection and have never even thought the word damn, let alone said the word fuck, please consider joining the Patreon of this tattooed purple haired, but it changes sometimes, but currently purple haired historian. So all that to say, When I was looking into cryptids from around the world, because I didn't want to just focus on American cryptids, and I found multiple stories of man-eating tree cryptids, (laughs) my flappers were gasted. My awes were stricken. I was wide-eyed, open-mouthed, and stunned, friends. I immediately broke into Little Shop of Horrors, and I have to tell you about it immediately. So (laughs) without further ado, sit back, relax, and practice your, oh, good God, what the fuck faces? So the earliest story of a man eating tree came back, goes back to 1874. An article was published in the New York World about the man-eating tree of Madagascar. This article circulated around the world. And in October of that year, the South Australian Register picked up the story and told the story of a sacrifice of a young woman to the tree by the Makoto people. It described the tree as having slender branches that waved around like serpents and wrapped around the neck and the limbs of the woman like a boa constrictor who screamed, but the laughter of the tree drowned out her screams and after she was dead it basically just wrapped all around her like some carnivorous plants do and a pretty like similar plant with pretty much the same description and like oddly like kind of the same story was also said to be found in South America called the Yataveo. There's only one problem with this story, though none of it was true. This was a fake article that was written by Edmund Spencer, who was an English poet. Um, A lot of people know him from the Fairy Queen. Like, that's something very popular that he wrote. And the Makoto people, like, don't even exist. It was just, like, a semi-racist 19th century, like, fluff piece. But a few years later... The man-eating tree was reported in Nubia. So in 1881, Phil Robinson, an author, wrote about an account that his uncle had with a man-eating tree, which which just sounds totally legit, okay? So he wrote about it in this book called Under the Punka. 
He says his uncle was in the Sudan and left some of his men behind to set up camp while he trekked into the woods with his gun to go hunting for dinner. He sees a herd of antelope and he tracked them for about a mile or so when they came to a clearing where only a strange large tree grew. The herd was getting too far away from him, so he took the chance to just fire at the herd and hoped that he hit something. The herd runs off towards the tree, but didn't run under it. It swerved out of the way, and the account reads, Was I mad? Or did the plant really try to catch the deer? On a sudden I saw, or I thought I saw, the tree violently agitated. While the ferns all around were standing motionless in the dead evening air, its bows were swayed by some sudden gust towards the herd and swept in the force of their impulse almost to the ground. I drew my hand across my eyes and I closed them a moment and looked again. But at that point, the uncle notes that the tree is motionless. It seemed the Uncle No Name actually hit a fawn and the guy that he was with was named Otana and he was running after it, not really paying attention to the tree or anything else because like, why should he? He didn't see anything. And he ends up right beneath the tree and he catches the fawn and the account reads, and now there was no mistaking what I saw. The tree was convulsed with motion. It leaned forward, swept its thick foliage boughs to the ground and enveloped from the sight, the pursuer and the pursued. I was within a hundred yards and the cry of Otana from the midst of the tree came to me in all clearness of its agony. There was then one stifled, strangling scream. And except for the agitation of the leaves where they had closed upon the boy, there was not a sign of life. The uncle calls out for Otana, but there wasn't a response and he was frozen for what he felt like an hour. When he finally could move, he wanted to run away, but he thought maybe Otana fell into a lair of some beast that he couldn't see, or maybe it wasn't the tree that reached down. Maybe it was a giant snake in the branches and he didn't want to return back to camp and tell his banana stories about a tree eating a guy because trees don't eat people. So he slowly walks towards it and it was about 50 yards away when he realizes he's been spotted by the tree. He said that it was quivering and yearning. The leaves were agitated and hungry and seemingly reaching for him as he got closer. The book says, I was now within 10 yards of the farthest reaching bow. Every part of it was hysterical with excitement. The agitation of its members an awful, sickening, yet fascinating and an ecstasy of eagerness for the food so near it, the leaves turned upon each other. Two meeting would suck together face to face with a force that compressed their joint thickness in half, thinning the two leaves into one, and now grappling in a volute like a double shell, writhing to some like some green worm, and at last faint with the violence of the paroxysm would slowly separate falling apart as leeches gorged dropped off the limbs and sticky dew glistened in the dimples welled over and trickled down the leaf. The sound of it dripping from leaf to leaf made it seem as if the tree was muttering to itself. The beautiful golden fruit as they swung here and there were clutched now by one leaf and then another held for a moment close and folded from the sight and then as suddenly released here a large leaf vamp like had sucked out the juices of a smaller one. It hung limp and bloodless like a carcass of which the weasel has tired. 
He said he watched the struggle and couldn't believe that this tree seemed to be alive and it reached towards him, but he was just out of the tree's reach. And when the tree realized it couldn't get to him, it flailed about in the agony of frantic desire. It was flinging its dew at the uncle and then it appeared to be trying to tear its roots out of the blood-stained ground in order to chase him. And he just fired his gun at it. He said that the shot went right into its trunk and a single fruit fell off of one of the branches and then the entire branch fell. He said that he kept firing at the trunk until he ran out of ammunition and limbs of the trees kept falling off and they lay heaped together, the fragments struggling, rising and falling, gasping. Over them drooped in dying languor, a few stricken boughs while upright in the midst stood, dripping at every point, the glistening trunk. He said that when he ran out of bullets, he began hacking at the branches with his hunting knife. He said that every leaf was alive and occasionally his hand would get entangled and would feel like something was biting him. He finally stood and ran towards the remaining trunk and buried his hunting knife into it and it fell to the ground exhausted and unconscious. His men that he left behind came and found him after hearing all the shots that he had fired and carried him back to his camp. They went back a couple days later and found that the tree was dead. When they investigated further, they found many remains of former meals of the tree, including the body of poor Otana, covered in what he described as vampire leaves that they couldn't remove. So they buried him with them all still attached. How fucking spooky was that? Like, I want to watch this as like a movie sci-fi sort of special. I want this to be like the prequel to Little Shop of Horrors because I have to say I think that this is a great story. I can't find any other accounts from African or Sudanese stories so I believe that the whole thing is just fictionalized but there are some people who will still kind of like whisper about man eating trees and I'm here for it. So (laughs) that's where I'm gonna have to leave it today because that's all that I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please consider subscribing or leaving a review or joining my Patreon. And remember, friends, history may be watching you. So don't fuck it up and be careful of the woods because the trees might be watching you too. Bye.